I, I don't have the time, hmm. to be honest, to be on all that stuff. <laughs> I, I would need a content generator, part-time assistant to do all that stuff. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. In for Vince Petrano, here's Eric Bilstad. The question is why? Why do we need another social media site to waste our time on? Why? Threads has just been released. It's owned by Meta, which owns Facebook. Threads is the latest social media app. It was dropped last night by surprise. We were anticipating it coming out today. came out last night. Everyone jumped on board. It already has more than 10 million users. Eric Bilstead, along with Steve Scafidi, Greg Pancake Hill, producing the big show. Vince is back on Monday. But why? <laughs> why do we need to find more social media to get on? I feel like, Steve, that we're deluded already. I feel like there's so many different options, and it's such a small fraction. It's not, but if it, if you grand scheme of things, it's small. Small fraction of people that actually use these on a daily basis, if not more frequently than daily. Well, you think about hourly. Twitter. Think about Twitter. It's what is it like? Less than twenty percent of the population. So that kind of service, you know, the quick bites, the snarkiness, the I hate this party, that party. Is there really a market for that? I, I guess the, the bigger question for me is why are, why are we creating this? Is it a fail-safe in case, you know, Twitter tanks? Well, yeah. So what Facebook is doing, I, I, I keep saying Facebook, what Meta, Meta is doing and what Zuckerberg is doing is that they see an opportunity. They see Twitter on the ropes a little bit. There are some people that have been dropping off the site to some frustration over what Elon Musk has done. There's been some goofy operational decisions made with Twitter, so this meta decides, you know what? Okay, let's basically create Twitter too, and it's kind of nice looking. I, I'm on it. I, I so you signed it. up right away. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. super easy. It's through Instagram. So you, if you have an Instagram account, I do. You can easily get onto Threads, um, and it looks kind of like Instagram, and it's clean and sharp looking and, and neat and new. Better than Twitter? It's the exact same thing. Really, looks the same. I mean, it's it doesn't. Yes, essentially, yes. Character it's basically, limit. Ah, uh, there might be. I haven't tried it then. Come but. on, dude. You, you jumped on this thing. You didn't do it. Did you post anything yet? I've posted one thing. What is that? Praise? To, no, praise or fireworks? No, I, you no. need to go on my site. You All need right. to follow me first. What's your handle on the, the threads? <laughs> I think it's eBillstad. <laughs> Actually, so whatever your handle is, is what your Instagram handle is, no, I, I per look, the rule. I hardly ever, I'm on Instagram, but I'm, I'm like barely ever on it. So right now, they have more than 10 million users on threads already. And actually, it reminds me of... It reminds me of whenever a new streaming service gets announced. Like, do you remember what your reaction was when you heard that Paramount Plus was going to be a thing? Mine was, oh, <laughs> like I was actually annoyed mm. that Paramount Plus came out. Not because I don't like Paramount Studios or anything that they do. It's just that, okay, here's a, yet another streaming service. Why does it bother you if there's more streaming services? Because it takes away from, like, then I got to worry about, am I missing out on another great show? You know, Hulu, you have Paramount Plus, you got Peacock, you got all these other ones. You mm-hmm. got, of course, the big one, Netflix, which is not really as big anymore. Disney Plus is having a good run. Prime is out there. Mm-hmm. And you can do the same thing with social media. I, I think, I think less is more. Less is more. 
So I'm not on TikTok. Are you on TikTok too? I am. Jeez, you're on everything. Got to be. But you don't post that much. Like so that, on anything. How do you know if I'm on TikTok posting anything? Because I see what you post on the other stuff, and it's not much. So I'm assuming that you have the same pattern on all the things you're Interesting. on. Interesting. You've been scanning my uh, <laughs> Oh, I look at your posts. stuff. See, I steal stuff from you. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I steal ideas and segment topics. Great. Great. Go ahead with your comment. Uh, <laughs> I just think this stuff is nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm in a debate right now whether I should sign up or not. Like, I, I love Twitter. I understand all the... All the Weird weirdness about it, the whole Elon Musk thing. I don't really care about that. I don't, I don't follow Elon Musk much. I don't really the news about Tesla and yeah. space and all. I you know big deal. Who cares? He's a rich guy that has a lot of money and he bought Twitter and he's basically lost half his value since he bought it, which suggests bad leadership skills and maybe not really understanding what Twitter was. But I still go on Twitter. Sure, and me too. Facebook, which is the mega one, right? That's the big one. Billions of users, yeah, two billion. more than anyone else. I'm I'm bored by it, frankly. I post maybe once a week, maybe once a month. It's really for me, and I, I appreciate the folks who still want to make it a political place, dude. If you're doing that, what's wrong with you? First off, that that belongs on Twitter and some other places, but it's it's like family, grandkids, my garden. It's just fun stuff. That's Facebook for me. Am I missing Facebook? Because I think that's what it should be. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how do you use Facebook? Uh, same type of thing. Just yeah. to, you know, keep up on on friends from far away. You don't write angry political posts about. <laughs> I just I never get I people that do that on on Facebook. It's like, no, what are you doing? But I know of who you speak. I mean, they, they yeah. do exist. Uh-huh. I just I I, I want to get to the why. Like I, I get the I understand why Meta is doing this. I understand that obviously it's a money ploy. It's an opportunity. Zuckerberg likes to copy and steal things all the time. This yeah. is what Meta is. It is money. So I get the why from the business aspect. I'm just trying to figure out the why for us. Like why do why we, join? What, yeah, why do we need yet another service to go at? On the old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620 on the old National Bank. Get old uh, from the 262, especially for the younger adults, it's all about the next shiny new thing. So Meta, of course, wants the Twitter users to defect just as they got the MySpace users about 15 years ago. And you're right. It's definitely about that. It's about trying to glean users. And it, it really doesn't even matter how many they get. If they get even a small percentage, that's still a success. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis from ABC had this to say about how Meta can take advantage. As of their last public release, they had about 330 million users. Facebook, on the other hand, Meta has more than 2 billion users on Instagram. If they can convert at least some of those users, even right. a relatively small percentage of those users to take on threads and download that app, then they're going to get a lot of people very quickly. And they are. They already have more than 10 million. I guess what's frustrating to me, the cynic in me gets annoyed by that number only because there's a lot of remarkable creative app developers out there that never get a sniff. Mm -hmm. Yet all of a sudden, just because Zuckerberg said something the other day, every network is pounding the threads drum. <laughs> like, oh, Let's just celebrate this already enormous company that already is taking over the world, that already is swimming in billions and billions of dollars. Let's make sure we all download that app. Well, look, I get the Zuckerberg hate. He's kind of a doofus, and you know now he's trying to do kickboxing or some... Both version. those guys. I yeah, like but either. whatever. I mean, when you have, what'd you say, two billion plus, you're going to get some credibility, and you're going to be covered because that's a lot of people. How many people are on the planet? Six billion? Yeah, somewhere between six mm -hmm. and eight billion. That's he's got a third of the planet. That's a lot of people. You're going to give that guy attention. That's a big, big chunk of what's going on in the world. So I, I respect that. 
But you, you answered the question. It's about money. Monetize. They're going to figure out a way to monetize. And especially if Twitter tanks, which I'm, I'm on the fence 50-50. I have a hard time believing it tanks. It'll just be different. Um, they keep screwing around with stuff. TweetDeck's being, being changed. Now you have to be a verified user, all that stuff. I'm not paying for Twitter. I'm not paying for any of those things, frankly. I'm just not going to. So if you want me to, if, you, if, it, if you're requiring a payment, I'm done. But you pay for streaming services. Yes. So at one point, is the social media content also going to need to be paid for? Oh, that's going to happen at some point. That's when you're going to have to really pick and choose what you want to be on. And for me, that, that might be determinant that I'm, I'm on one instead of three, four, five. I, I don't have the time, hmm. to be honest, to be on all that stuff. <laughs> I, I would need a content generator, part-time assistant to do all that stuff. Wisconsin's Morning News with Vince Vetrano. Vince is back on Monday. Eric Bill said along with Steve Scafidi. Steve, happy to join us an hour early Yeah, before you fire off here I think I, Do I have an extra half hour after the show, Tudor? Oh, is, right, is, yeah. Because yeah. we got a day game today. Yeah, or is Wagner coming in for the half hour? Big, big show. I, I, that's a good question. I have no idea. So you should I'll, probably yeah, look into that. half today, no problem. I love yeah. that you don't even know. Yeah, I love that. that <laughs> yeah, I find out the day of usually. You look at the schedule maybe? Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> Email? What is that? All right. Um, so, what would what's anticipated anyway with what um, what's going to happen with Threads is you're going to see a lot of people get on it right away. This is this new app that Meta is unveiling that basically looks like Twitter. Uh, one thing to be mindful of: obviously, a lot of times we jump on the new apps and we don't read the fine print. Mm. We don't look at different things. You need to delete your Instagram account in order to delete your Threads account if you do not like Threads. So if you want to dump Threads once you're on, you have to then delete your Instagram yes. account? Oh, my goodness. So be mindful of that. And that's a great little ploy because no one wants to get rid of their Instagram account. So they jump on Threads and then they realize now they have two accounts. They want to get rid of the one they can't. So... Be mindful of that. Now, th- not s- suggesting that anything super nefarious is happening with uh, threads or the thropes that you may... Th- is that what they're called when you tweet something? Is it a thrope? Hmm. I don't know. Thrope? Um, <laughs> whatever it is you're posting on threads. Uh, but be mindful of that. That it, This happens a lot of times with these different apps. All of a sudden, everyone's going through there hitting okay, okay, okay. And in this case, you can't delete one without deleting the other. I don't know if you're a fan of the show Black Mirror. I know of it. Great show. Yeah, yeah. They actually take that concept and, and basically when you sign off for all, for any of the app, you know, in the apps you're on, you've signed off in that show to let them basically document your life and use it however they want. And they make TV shows based on real people that are on that app. Yeah. And then they broadcast them immediately. Basically, actors playing your life story almost immediately. With all the craziness, and in the case of this episode, uh, a woman who like cheated on her husband, but she's seeing her husband watch that program in her own house after she just did that. Wow, isn't that wild? That almost sounds like something happening with the former Milwaukee or former New York mayor. Oh yeah, crazy yeah, story, story out of New York. Later in Wisconsin's morning news, uh, what's happening in New York? Uh, coming up next, we'll tell you just exactly how that veto pen was used. That in a minute.
Wisconsin's Morning News at 829. Eric Bilstead along with Steve Scafidi. Vince is back on Monday. So there's been some questions about the veto pen. This happens every couple of years when we have questions about the veto pen that the governor has. The the governor of Wisconsin, any governor of Wisconsin has had. Uh, governor Evers on Wednesday signed off on a two-year spending plan, um, took a... A swipe at the Republican tax cut, so he cut that back. He also used his veto powers to increase school funding for centuries. And there's a question there as to how can you increase funding because the veto pen doesn't work that way, Steve. You can't create right. funding. So there's some question as to how he did this. So here's how it goes. So he uses partial veto power to increase how much revenue K-12 through public schools can raise per student by $325 a year until 2425, so 2425. That's the year. So essentially, the language in the bill had said a $325 increase for the 2023-24 and the 2024 and 25 school year, right? So in the, the next two years. Mm-hmm. But instead, he vetoed the 20 and he vetoed the hyphen. So by vetoing the 20 of 2024 and videoing the hyphen before the 25, he created the year 2425. And that is legal in the... uh, the law of Wisconsin on how the veto pen can be used. The action of the veto is legal. The question that you raised earlier is the big one. Can you increase funding as part of this? <laughs> That's going to be a legal challenge. Right. And, and before that ever happens, the legislature will try to override it. Now, they would need three votes in the Assembly. They already have uh, enough votes in the Senate. They'll try to override this because they don't like it. And, it, and it, I'll, I'll make the argument in some ways this is undemocratic in the, in the 9 o'clock hour. This is... This is pretty far-fetched. And you're talking about funding 400 years from now. That's just from my point of view, that's not the way it should work. So the governor had 51 vetoes. You want to guess what the record is for most partial vetoes? Yeah, I heard this. It's, it's Tommy Thompson. He, he was like insane how many he had. Back in 1991, 457. Yeah. 457 mm-hmm. partial busy. vetoes. <laughs> I'm going to have to, I actually prompted me to go back. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. Like what he was up to. Well, and back when, I mean, it was uh, back in 2000, then we prohibited what was known as the Vanna White veto, which allowed governors to strike individual letters within mm-hmm. words to create new meanings, <laughs> new words. That you can't do anymore. The interesting thing for me also, just from the nuts and bolts aspect of this, is do you think Republicans ever expected this to happen? I don't think they did. I think they were caught off completely off guard. They never thought that somebody would try to go, let's go 400 years from now. They never expected that. So I think they're stunned today, and, and we'll get some perspective on that at 935 with C.J. Safer, who's going to tell us why he thinks this is nuts. So the Secret Service now investigating who brought cocaine Into the White House, the drug found near a visitor's entrance for those taking tours of the West Wing 
over the weekend. The bag was discovered on the ground floor in a common area near the entry to the West Wing, not far from the Situation Room. It was close to a set of storage cubbies where visitors leave their cell phones during a tour. The Secret Service is leading the investigation, looking at visitor logs and camera surveillance. There are camera systems that they'll go back as a part of this investigation and research. Not every camera is trained on everybody at every minute. You know, it was just in the White House on the tour. Me, <laughs> like uh, six weeks ago. Did you do the West Wing tour yes. also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so walk me through that. Are there cubbies to put phones? Yeah, and yeah. Things? Yeah, almost all those rooms have some of that activity. Little basket, usually monitored by somebody. That's that's how their was job. security? Would security well, find tight. a dime bag of coke in your pocket? I would you think it? so. I mean, I suppose you could drop anything, but I don't know. That just seems weird. It's got to be someone that works there, right? God, you'd think so. Yeah, because... But it, it would not Have you be, seen the decision-making coming out of the White House? Makes sense. It would not be unheard of for someone to pull a phone out of their pocket and yeah. a little Coke come out, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert on Coke, but how much would the, what are we talking? Like a little tiny... Yeah, well, they haven't said exactly how much. I mean, we're talk, not talking about a bale of cocaine. We're talking about a very tiny amount. But so what all was happening at the time here on Sunday when this all occurred? ABC's Karen Travis talked about that. You go through airport-like security. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of questions of like, was this even a visitor? Was this somebody that was on staff, somebody who was already in the complex? I mean, there's custodial staff that's here. There's maintenance staff. Uh, mm. They had a big event on the South Lawn for the 4th of July fireworks. A lot of people who've been around the area over the last couple of days. Media rolls through there as well. So it's not not just a handful of staffers or the president's family or something like that. It's not just airport security. There's four. I think there's four or five so how, layers of security. How could go, it get through then? Like, I don't why, know. You'd have to forget you did, you had it, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think. So, I mean, you take everything out of your pockets, essentially, but is a is a little small thing of cocaine, would that be detectable by any of the ways that they, they check? All you need is one dog, right? Just one dog would be like, hey, that guy... But right I think there. I think the dog that was out there when we went through was a bomb sniffing dog. Okay, and they, they each have their own That's you know, true. okay expertise. So the, the person I first thought of when this story first broke broke was uh, the press secretary. How here it's a holiday weekend, and she was probably like, ah. Oh. You gotta be kidding me. Corrine Jumpier, the press secretary, she was deferring most questions to the Secret Service or at least punting by saying that there is an ongoing investigation right now. She says that the Secret Service will get to the bottom of this. And after being pushed a bit, she did finally say that yes, the president thinks it's incredibly important to get to the bottom of this. You know what the president should hope for? Because we know that the Secret Service is scanning all of the surveillance video, going through all the logs and what have you. But the president has to be hoping there's some type of video that shows some type of incriminating evidence because everyone's right or wrongfully pointing the finger at his kid. Yeah, but do we even know if he was there during that period of time? I don't know. Th- that hour? I have no idea. You know, the whole thing is, if it, if it was a plant, yes, maybe the video would catch it because that would be a deliberate act. If it came out of somebody's pocket or shirt or whatever, the, the chances of seeing that on, on a camera would probably be almost nil. So I, I'm not sure that's going to help. Here's the issue. This is a big place. You know, I took, I've taken tours. I've been in every, except the living quarters. I've been in all over the White House over the last 10 years. Different, different reasons for all those visits. Lots of security, but there's also a lot of nooks and crannies. And this is a very old house, right? From the days of Washington lived there. John Adams lived there. 
that's it's a very old, quaint house with a lot of big rooms, a lot of small hallways. There's a lot of places you can put stuff. So when you throw your phone in a in a little bucket or bin, is it just there by itself? It's are a, they- yeah, it's with other phones. It's just a basket. It's like um, you know how organizer baskets are. People put in their shelves. It's all it is is yeah. that. And you put, tuck your phone in there. Sometimes if it's a big meeting, there's someone watching them. Otherwise, it's, there's not. There's just phones sitting there. And you're in the West Wing. Yes, I have been in the West Wing. Okay, so when you went to the West Wing, I mean, you had to know somebody, right? Or oh, is that yeah. Because that's the... by invitation, special invitation. Yes. Okay. You don't get that. That's not the public tour generally. Right, and Karen mentioned that too. There are visitors, not just people oh, from right. the general public. You can't just show up at the gate and be like, I'd like to go see the West Wing. But there are visitors who can take tours of this part of the West Wing after business hours. And these tours happen on the weekends. Staffers with their blue badges walking around with friends, grandma, you know, maybe their neighbors. And they get that like special privilege where they can take somebody in. Somebody with some coke, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Does that, it doesn't surprise you, right? That there's somebody that had drugs. It's, it's so common. No, I Drug think it actually, common. R- no, that part doesn't surprise me at all. If it happens to end up being some random jamoke who carried their coke in there, no, that actually, you'd be surprised at how often people are carrying something like that. So to accidentally bring it in and then somehow it fall out of a pocket, if that's what it ultimately ends up, I'm not shocked by that. My prediction is they never find out. Just like we never found out who leaked the Supreme Court stuff ahead of time. You can have all the investigations you want. You're not going to find out. But will someone know? Well, someone will know, sure. The person who did it. (laughs) Where's my cocaine? Right. Okay, let's move on to the former mayor of New York City. I thought you were going to me for a second there. Former mayor of Oak Creek. I wonder if you, I assume that you and Kathy haven't had this same conversation. (laughs) I've heard this earlier. No. Bill de Blasio, the former New York City mayor, and his wife, um, Shirlane McRae, are separating. And they're going to date other people, Mm. but they're not going to get divorced. In fact, they're not even going to move out of the same house. Come on. This is nuts. They're weirdos. (laughs) That's a hot take right there. I mean, come on. Uh, They decided they still obviously love each other. They still are a Family in the sense that obviously there, you know, there's always going to be a bond there. They've been married a long time. They have two adult children, uh, but she had told the New York Times, she goes, "Look, you know, his uh, last political aspirations were a struggle when he he ultimately ran for president. He had bad uh, approval ratings when he was the mayor there near the end. So failed bid in 2020, I think that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and here we are. So they decided that they were going to." Not divorce, but date other people. And they made that realization, according to the New York Times, the mutual decision was made when Blasio asked his wife, why aren't you lovey-dovey anymore? She used to be lovey-dovey. She's not anymore. The answer to that question is because you're Bill de Blasio. <laughs> that's, that's all I need to say. Dude, you're, you're weird, and I don't, <laughs> I don't like you in that way anymore. But here's the thing. I love the house we live in in New York City with all the extra security because you're a former mayor. I think I'll stay with that, but I'll bring in people that I can date. I have so many questions. A, do they share the same bedroom still? And B, do they have Wait, to like... Wait, how s- is that going to work? Do they sign out on like who gets to use which room when they have dates over? Like, Do you need to put a sock up on some of the... Maybe the- they don't bring their dates home. And three, who's dating these people? Yeah, That's oh. a red flag right there. Hi, you- Daphne. This is Bill de Blasio. This is my wife. She's going to be here while yeah. we're in the house. <laughs> she, she might watch the movie with us. <laughs> it's just, Come on. The whole thing's nuts. This is New York City. It's crazy there. So is he on Tinder, I wonder? <laughs> I don't know. 
He's a strange dude. I just don't get it. I it actually to me it seems more like it's kind of lazy. Although I do understand the idea of separating without divorcing. I mean, divorcing is a hassle. Like, it's a lot of work. It's yes. very emotional. A lot of money. It's a lot of money. So I know couples that have separated and stayed married, but don't, they don't live in the same house. They're just, they live in other places. Oh, I, thought, I was so hoping you were going a different direction. No. <laughs> I know you were. No, I wasn't going there. Oh, but I, I've seen that happen before. Mutual agreements to stay married, sometimes for the kids, sometimes for financial sure, reasons. Yeah. But they live in different places. You can do whatever you want when you when you live separately. But that I've seen. Right. I can and I can respect that. But the living together thing, and then to make your point about saying, no, and we're gonna be dating. I'm out there. Yeah, who wants to date them? And who who's the first one to suggest that? Who's the first well, one probably to say, hey, her, honey, right? uh, so what do you think about us maybe just not divorcing, but you know, dating other people and still living here together. Like, who's the first one? So to she shut that? him down because he, he she wasn't lovey dovey. That was his term. Yeah, he because he, of his political aspirations, basically. Right. So she shut him down. They said, "Well, why aren't you? Why don't you love me anymore?" So maybe he said, "Okay, let's do this," and then he proposed it. My understanding from the interview in the New York Times is that they still have a good relationship. Obviously, they still. Have a love and respect for each other. Mm. Asked whether his tumultuous eight years in Gracie Mansion, kept by a deeply unfavorable rating among New Yorkers, combined with his 2020 presidential bid, had anything to do with the split, his wife emphatically told The Post, yes, absolutely. I get all that, but I would just say that probably the biggest reason is because he's a moron. In my, my take. Just a moron. And she'd agreed to it, so that makes her one, too. If I was on the dating scene again, and I'm not, thankfully. Hopefully, I never am ever, ever again. All right. I think you've got enough declaratives but if, in there. But if I were, I'm, I'm calling red flag if my date brings me over to her house and where her, her she shares there. a home with her husband. Oh, we're not together, but come on over. Who's that dude? Oh, that's my Don't husband. Don't worry. I get the Netflix today. It's Wednesday. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Pretty neat moment before the Brewers game today at American Family Field. You're going to see a Cubs fan throwing out the first pitch. What? No, I'm just kidding. Let me explain. <laughs> so his name is Tom Schrader. He, Tom, is a Brewers fan. He's been a lifelong Brewers fan, and he suffered a heart attack 15 years ago in the parking lot before a Brewers-Cubs game. That was then Miller Park, and he was saved by a Cubs fan. I spoke with Tom yesterday. I'd gone with my sister uh, a night or two before that, but that day uh, I went by myself um, and went to the game. And following the game, I was going back to the my car and uh, collapsed. He collapsed. He was unconscious. And there came along Jim Saletta, a longtime fire chief from Huntley, Illinois, wearing a Cubs jersey. I was uh, found by some people, uh, including Jim Salata who is the fire chief from Huntley, Illinois, and he uh, and uh, a nurse from Milwaukee, Jason Steele, a nurse from Madison area, they were able to turn me over and see that I was turning blue and needed some CPR. Jim Salatis started doing the uh, mouth-to-mouth breathing, and um, Jason helped with the uh, chest compressions, and we were able to get the bell ambulance there and got me to... um, my heart going again, 
and ended up in St. Luke's Hospital, had a quadruple bypass. Isn't that amazing? What a story. And he's alive and well. He's 72 now. This happened 15 years ago. Had some blocked arteries. Had no idea. It's kind of that, that hidden thing, that hidden disease. And now he's living well. The next year, uh, we had agreed that we were going to go and meet at Miller Park for a Brewer Cup game. And... Um, that's when I actually met him and uh, gave him a big hug, and I said, you saved my life. You're my hero. Yeah. So Tom there, who I spoke with, uh, you could just tell from the conversation with him just how thankful he was to be alive. Just so thankful for life. I'm so thankful for the second chances that I've been given. Um, I would have missed so much in life had, had that been uh, the day that I did not make it, had I not had the heroes around me. So we really want to thank the the heroes every day that uh, are out saving people's lives. You know me, I talk about that all the time. It's one of my favorite stories when, when you hear about uh, the man or woman, the kid who just happened to be in the right place at the right time and saved a life. In this case, it was this Cubs fan, Jim Saletta, who happens to be a fire chief, so clearly he knew what he was doing. Now they see each other at least once a year to see a game, sometimes at Wrigley, it's, sometimes uh, here. get together once a year for a Brewer Cup game and... Uh, uh, just celebrating together. Life. <laughs> so how good did it feel to text him after game 163 to celebrate the Brewers' victory over the Cubs? <laughs> well, it was good. He's happy for 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 me whenever the, the Brewers win, and I'm happy for him when the Cubs win, but we're always happier when our own team wins. So. <laughs> <laughs> right? That makes sense, right? So they'll get together uh, this afternoon. They're going to tailgate ahead of time. Um, Tom telling me about you know the, his grandkids, his twin grandson or grandchildren that he would never have met. His daughter's been married in the last 15 years. He's got a son who's got a grandkid and all, wouldn't have been around with them had it not been for this guy named Jim Saletta. A couple nice things here. One, it demonstrates that, that the Brewers can do something really nice for that, that rivalry. Because mm-hmm. as much as we complain about it, you know, Cubs fans taking over, or American fans, all that stuff, it's a, it's a great rivalry and has been for a long time. Two, everyday heroes. People just, they, they may do this stuff in their real job, but they're, they're at a baseball game. And I've seen it happen on planes. I've seen it happen, you know, in other venues. I just love everything about the story. Because mm-hmm. it's really, think about yourself. I'm not sure I'm brave enough to go start giving mouth to mouth to somebody. Right. I know or we all should. Be smart enough to just go and yeah. do it, right? And I, I've heard a couple of these stories recently, and it, it's prompted me. I'm going to go back and take all those classes again because I want to know what I'm doing, whether it's for grandkids or someone I don't know. We can all do this, at least stabilize someone until the professionals get there. And I mentioned uh, my buddy Ken saved the guy, helped save a guy's life at a health club recently. And he looked in this man's face, and this man had, had the look that, Something seriously is wrong here, and he was able to provide some assistance and some some healthcare uh, advice and procedures until the nine one one folks got there. And this gentleman called him a couple of weeks later and said, "You want to get together for lunch?" And he was just so appreciative. Imagine you are that link often between life and death, and you're there. You got to step up. That's why I love these stories. So some perspective today too. If you get a little frustrated during the game or get annoyed by some of those other Cubs fans, just think of uh, Tom and his family. Some of them meeting. Jim, for the first time today. We're all looking forward to celebrating together this 15-year milestone. And uh, for many of them, they'll be meeting Jim for the first time. So that's going to be exciting. So you can also confirm that there is at least one Cubs fan who is not insufferable? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is one, one that I know is not insufferable. <laughs> WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Wisconsin's Morning News is on the way out. Steve Scafidi on the way in. What are you working on for today? Turn my mic on. There we go. All tax uh, discussion in the first hour. Can a governor tax us 400 years into the future? I got my take. We'll be joined by C.J. Safer from the Institute for Reforming Government at 935. He's got a take. And we agree that this is absolutely insane and probably undemocratic. So we'll discuss coming up. Steve Scafidi is next going to get a hundred dollar shopping spree for buying whatever you want all right these are for them there you go griffin noah there you go there you go that's it man i'm rich you're rich 